Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, everyone. I'm here today with Dr. Eric Albertini, recording our second part of our Getting Fit for the Future series. Today, we're focusing on continuing our discussion from part one, which is really focused on the new ways of thinking that leaders need to develop in order to function in the world that we have entered and certainly the one that lies ahead. So, Eric, for our listeners that may be joining for the first time, could you give us a quick recap just in terms of Future Fit Academy? What is your reason for being? Thank you, Karen. Great to be back with you. So, Future Fit Academy is about helping individuals, teams, and leaders remain relevant and to continue to add what we call indispensable value in this ever-changing world of work. I think we're all familiar with VUCA framework. The world of work is increasingly more volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. We also, by the way, we've adopted a different framework. We've aligned to what is called the BANI framework, B-A-N-I. So the world of work is brittle. It is anxious. It's fraught with anxiety and will be a very anxious workplace. The N is nonlinear. In many aspects, things in the world of work will not be predictable and as linear as they were. And then the I is incomprehensible, where things will happen in the world of work that we could not have thought could happen. In order to survive in this world of work, people need to shift how they think. They need to be very good at spotting opportunities and leveraging these opportunities and they need to engage and connect with others. And that's what we do at the Future Fit Academy. Fantastic. So Eric, we started our conversation on these new ways of thinking because it is so critical that leaders really adopt a, a new worldview as we enter all of this, as you've mentioned, both a booker and a, a banny kind of, of world. But let's focus today, I, I think last time we really focused in on curiosity, and to question and just being igniting that sense of wonder and ability to question around us, which is so critical. Today, I'd like to focus on another skill that's taught as part of your module one, and that is dealing with paradox. Could you expand on dealing with paradox for us, especially because now we live in such a, we live in gray tones where if you think about it, not much in the world, including gender is black and white. Absolutely. Karen, sir. A paradox is really a situation where there are two opposites, two polar extremes, where coexistence of these two seems impossible. It seems as if you cannot have these two opposites, seemingly contradictory perspectives coexist. So, so an obvious example of that is we hear leaders often say, I must be a tough leader or I must show empathy and compassion. And it's either or. And that's really what paradox is about. Dealing with paradox is about helping leaders 
think both and, not either or. You can be an empathetic leader that is tough and courageous. Organizations can consider decentralization and centralization and hold those two seemingly opposite contradictory perspectives together. And that's what the skill of dealing with paradox is about. And that's so interesting. Do you find that a lot of the leaders on on your academy struggle with that? Very much. Very, what do you think their key challenges? Yeah, Karen, I think it, again, it's really to do with how we as humans are wired, where the brain prefers a definitive certain outcome. It wants to take us to conclusion somewhere. And we don't like to be in this sort of middle state that we're not sure if it's either this or that. So the brain drives us to get to a point. And I guess our education systems and the way in which corporate life has entrained us we want to be decisive. We want to get to a point and to a conclusion because we don't like this feeling of being in the middle, if I can use that term. So leaders really do struggle. And yet they are confronted with paradoxes in the workplace all of the time. Now, there are organizational paradoxes that, that pertain to the organizational context. There are role-related paradoxes. There's individual paradoxes that individuals find incredibly difficult to deal with. So we are confronted by these paradoxes, yet a lot of people don't know how to deal with them and to think in this both-and way. And could you give us a little bit more insight into how you actually teach somebody? Because And I can see the interrelatedness now around the growth mindset and teaching people to be comfortable in this paradox. Could you go a little bit into some of the methodology that you use? Absolutely. So we start, like any training, Karen, we take the individuals through an exercise that gets them to reflect on how they deal with paradoxes. Where does the discomfort come from? In this exercise, we go into, and in the reflection that they do, we surface the inhibitors to dealing with paradox and where it's actually coming from. Once one knows what it is about paradox that worries them or that makes them uncomfortable, then the first practice that we use is the polarity mapping. So polarity mapping is an exercise, it's a, a tool and a technique where people work through in a fairly structured manner two polarities. And in working through these two polarities, they look at the upside of both polar opposites. They look at the downside of both polar opposites. But they look at these two together. They look at these two polar opposites and upsides and downsides together in an integrated manner. So one of the tools that we use is polarity mapping, which is very powerful in dealing with paradox. The second thing that we do to help them understand the challenges with dealing with paradox is we get them to be more mindful. 
because it's actually when being mindful and when practicing mindfulness that one can see a little bit more clearly how these two seemingly contradicting opposites can in fact coexist. So those are just two of the practices we work with in, in dealing with paradox. It's the polarity mapping and mindfulness. Fantastic. Two of the seven. We actually work with seven practices. Those are two of the ones that we work with. Fantastic. Eric, now learning agility is also a core focus in the academy. Why is this so important? Karen, learning agility is critical because we have to understand that what we have learned may no longer serve us. So learning agility is as much about reframing and integrating learning from past experiences into, let's call it a new learning. So it is important because learning agility is the ability to learn on the fly. It's the ability to learn all the time from anyone, anything, anywhere. And we find that a lot of leaders are still locked in this mindset that learning is a very formal structured process. I either go on a course, either do an academic program. And whilst that is learning, absolutely, and that's knowledge acquisition and what have you, learning agility for us is a little bit more about in the moment. It's a little bit about knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. It's about that capacity for rapid, continuous learning. It means learning agility is about giving up what may have worked in the past and acquiring new knowledge, which may come from what you already know. It's just reconfigured. And it's that ability that leaders will need in the future world. Absolutely. And I think what you've said now is quite important because if you certainly look at, at articles and things in the media, there's so much talk about the need to learn and unlearn and then relearn. I am a bit undecided on the term of unlearn because I, you know, exactly what you've said, it's almost a reconfigure of knowledge as opposed to an unlearning. What is your view on that? Karen, it's about, in a way, it's not forgetting what you've known or, or what you've learned. Because the question that we are often asked when we deliver this module is, but can I unlearn? It's about reusing fit-for-purpose learning that is appropriate for the problem or the context that you're facing at the moment. So it's really an internal process that gets the individual to reflect. And it gets the individual to say, is what I've known and what I've learned applicable and right for now? And if not, let me not stay with that. Let me not be anchored by that. We find a lot of the time people are trying to rehash and reuse learning, knowledge, experiences from the past in a context where that learning or that experience does not work. So learning agility or the unlearning part is saying, don't get stuck to it, use it, consider it if appropriate, but maybe reconfigure it or integrate that experience with other experiences from a completely different experience and create, let's call them knowledge objects that serve you for the problem on hand. 
Absolutely. I love that. Now, one of the areas I think the majority of us struggled with when, of course, the pandemic rocked our world was the high levels of ambiguity that suddenly surrounded us. Now, I don't see this slowing down, and especially in part one, you alluded to this. If we thought it was ambiguous before, just wait until, until we get going. But it also seems to be an incredible source of stress for many. What are some of the ways in which the Future Fit Academy teaches individuals and teams to manage in such an ambiguous environment? So, Karen, one of the top practices that we work with in tolerance of ambiguity is to reflect and to focus on what matters. So we talk about the practice of intentionality. That You find that when everything around you, and the pandemic is a very good example, when everything around you is uncertain, is ambiguous, and you have incomplete, uncertain or ambiguous information, everything around you then seems overwhelming. And intentionality and focusing on what matters helps people, it brings about a calmness, it helps people understand that the distractions and the noise and all of the uncertainty around them isn't all important. And if they were, if they identify what is important, then they can seek information and more certainty, if they need it, in that area of their lives or their tasks and the workplace, whatever it is, that is more important. So it's, the, it's about identifying unimportant or irrelevant details that cause this feeling of overwhelm. So we focus on intentionality and what matters most. That's one of the practices we work with. The other one, another one, and there are a couple, but just another one that is quite important is that to deal with the uncertainty and the ambiguity, individuals must act courageously. So at the very time when they don't have the information and when they're feeling overwhelmed because of this uncertainty and this complexity and this incomplete or contradictory contradictory information, they still need to be decisive. That's what we saw in the pandemic. Lots of people during the pandemic froze. They realized that they didn't have the information. There was so much uncertainty, so much ambiguity that they froze. They did nothing. So acting courageously and doing it in a relatively safe, contained environment first to see that it is in fact okay. You can move forward, you can be proactive, you can be decisive, even in the face of incomplete or contradictory information. So the acting courageously, as we call it, is a critical practice we focus on. So those are two of the, we focus on nine practices when dealing with tolerance of ambiguity. I think that's really important and I can see how curiosity is so interrelated there because part of that is, is learning to ask questions and not being tied to a particular answer or a particular way, but rather allowing things to, to emerge. Absolutely. And you, as you said, Karen, the pandemic is a brilliant example. So if we go back to March 2020, when the world went into lockdown, very incomplete information. People didn't understand the information. There was a whole lot of fake news, fake information going around. One report was contradicting the next. And those 
individuals and organizations who had cultivated a curious mind were able to sit back, to pause, reflect, ask questions, interrogate, suspend judgment. If you think about the 2020 pandemic when it first broke, if people that were courageous and people that in fact practiced intentionality would have been able to deal with the pandemic far easier than those who didn't have those skills. Fantastic. Eric, thank you so much. If you are joining us for the first time, Dr. Eric Albertini joins me from the Future Fit Academy, an organization striving to ensure that we maintain our relevance by upskilling us to meet the demands of the future world of work. Please join us for part three in our Getting Fit for the Future series, as Eric and I will discuss the skills needed for leaders to leverage new opportunities and to problem solve through the complexities found in a hybrid world of work. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Karen. It was a pleasure to be here and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Mm -hmm.